0: We're glad that you're here and we're glad that you have chosen to spend uh, this Sunday of Advent uh, getting ready uh, for the celebration of Christmas with us in worship. You know, when we think about God coming to earth, when we think about his arrival on the planet, we usually think about the past. Our mind goes to that little town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem. That's right. Now, if you've been in church a long time, when you think about God showing up, you might also think about the future. You may think about that day, and maybe you think about it with hope or expectation, or maybe it's with some sort of fear, or maybe you just don't know what's going to happen. But as Christians, we've always been told that one day Jesus is going to come back. And so we think about God's arrival on the planet in terms of the past and the future, that he came to us in the form of a baby born in Bethlehem. We think about the fact that he will return as he promised that he would. But I want us this morning to think about the present reality of God's arrival, You see, after Jesus was arrested and crucified, he wasn't just that baby born in a manger and stayed that way, but he grew up and he lived and he taught us how to live and he he taught us through his words and his miracles and then he was arrested and crucified. He was placed in a borrowed tomb and his followers and all of his detractors thought it was over. Some of them thought that this was in fact the Messiah, that God had showed up and this was him. But then as soon as he had been crucified, all hope of that was gone. Well, surely... That couldn't have been him. Because if that was him, the Romans wouldn't have arrested him and he wouldn't have been crucified and he wouldn't have died. Clearly, this was not the world's long-awaited Messiah. But three days later, God raised him from the dead. Jesus rose from the grave and he appeared to more than 500 people. And all of a sudden, all their calculations started to change. Well, maybe the story isn't going the way we thought it would go. And since his arrival on that very first Easter, millions of Christians across the planet from all different cultures, all different ethnicities, continue to claim that their lives have been impacted and changed by the arrival of God, not just in the past, not just someday in the future, but in their very real present. See, not only did God come to us. Not only did he fulfill every longing of the human heart with the gift of his son, Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, and not only will he keep every promise that he made with his return someday in the future, but he comes to us in a present reality. We've been talking for the last few weeks in a series that we're calling Arrival about the longing of every human heart, that we all have these longings, And we said that longings point us to something beyond this world because ultimately nothing in this world satisfies our longings. The best meal you've ever eaten, you're hungry again. You know, the best vacation you've ever had, you only get tired and want another vacation sometimes. Sometimes you want a vacation from your vacation. Every longing points us to something else. And last week we said God promised to fulfill every longing when he came to earth, when God took on flesh and came to dwell among us in the birth of Jesus This morning, I want us to talk about how he comes to us in the present. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through 29. If you have a Bible, you can open it. We'll also put it on the screen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 says this. Now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. I don't know about you, but I very rarely put the word rejoice and suffering in the same sentence. But Paul did. I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for the sake of the body, which is the church. Now, we could spend a lot of time on that verse. We won't today, but here's what I want you to know. What is lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the church? As Christians, if we believe that everything Jesus did on the cross was sufficient, why would Paul say, I fill up in my body what is lacking? What is lacking is the present reality in the life of these Christians in, Col- in the city of Colossae. The present reality of Jesus in and among them. That God raised him from the dead. He went back to heaven. And Paul saying, in my suffering, in my presence here with you today, I am completing what is lacking. You're seeing in me what Jesus did for you. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. And here he says, here he says, here's the word of God. Remember the word that was made flesh and came to dwell among us. Here it is. The mystery that has been kept hidden from ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, oh Paul, will you tell us what it is? Because we've been waiting for it. We've been longing for it. We've been hoping for it for a long time. Everything about our lives cries out for it. What is it, Paul? And he says, Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you. Right here in 2017. Present. That God comes to us. Now, we could do a lot of things from the Bible to tell this story about how God comes in our present reality, but this morning i 've asked four friends to come and share with you their story of how God showed up in their life in their present reality and changed their circumstances.
1: My name is leanne um... I uh, grew up Catholic and had an awareness of God in my life, um, because I had to, kind of. (laughs) Um, And when my dad would take us to church, and when um, he stopped going, of course, I didn't go anymore, um, I had always felt um, that I wasn't enough for God, that um, he was mad at me, um, that I had done things wrong, um, so I didn't have that connection to to God. Um, and then life happened. I, uh, I got away from the church and battled um, with my alcoholism for 20 years. And then, you know, that really made me think that God wanted nothing to do with me. Um, I was full of shame and guilt and remorse. And You know, my favorite uh, poem is Footprints because during that time, I know God loved me and carried me through so many, so many times. Um, And finally, you know, God gave me the greatest gift of all, um, which at the time I didn't know it, but I'm so thankful for it today. It was the gift of desperation. And I cried out to him because I, I couldn't take it anymore, and it was a miracle. He had walked with me and carried me through my recovery, um, which still is amazing to me because I wasn't going to stop. <laughs> I couldn't stop. I wasn't going to stop on my own. I didn't have it in me. Um You know, and he carried me and he was there and he did a lot of the work for me. I know that. I know that to this day. Um, And then my my journey began where I was longing to know Jesus more um, because he saved me. He he saved me Um, many times over and over. He saved me. Um, so my journey began that, you know, I, I joined Southside and I got baptized and, you know, now I walk with, with, with Jesus and on a daily basis, I am growing with him and learning and, um, just so eternally grateful. So thank you.
2: Hi everyone. My name's Jessica Preston. Um my story I think c- kind of similar to a lot of people is I was raised in a Baptist church. I used to say that I was a recovering Baptist. Um and I ended up at a Baptist church, but um I um my uncle was the pastor and I and for me like I just I, I just knew the story and like I thought that was the story and that was pretty much like as far as it went. Like Jesus was born on Christmas and then he died for us and um and that was pretty much it. And as a child, I remember having, like, serious questions, like, do dogs really go to heaven, that kind of thing. And I feel like when I asked those questions, um, it was kind of like, well, you don't need to ask those questions. Like, it's just kind of like, this is this is what it is. Um, I don't know if that's how it really was or this that's just how it felt to me. Um, so I'm a fixer. Like, I like to not have problems, and I fix things, and I like to control things. Um, so at a uh, as a really little kid, I used to pretend that I was somebody else or like act like different people to kind of escape the divorce that my parents were going through. Um, and then I got older and then it was video games to escape the pressure from school. And then even older, I it was food. I used food to comfort myself in high school when I felt rejected. And then um, even further, it was drugs and alcohol and um and that's that's what I used that was the the big relief for me until um eventually I became a slave to 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 drugs and alcohol and um I remember hearing the verse of Paul later about how he did the things that he didn't want to do and he didn't do the things that he wanted to do and that described my life for probably four years like it was just Um, Truly telling myself when I go to sleep at night I'm going to get a grasp on this the next day And then waking up just A prisoner I did the same thing again over and over again um, and I feel like God would give me these moments of clarity where it was like, you can't handle this, reach out for help. But I just felt like rehab was something that only famous people went to or like really bad people went to. Um, so every time it would come up, I, I didn't do it. And um, one day it was just like the weight was just too much. And the thought came up again. And it was like, you should just ask for help. So I did. I went to my mom and told her, um, i can't handle this. nobody had any idea because I hit it and um so we called i 'm from Columbus, Ohio, and we called Jacksonville was the only place that my insurance covered. And they were like, "Yeah, come on down. We'll get you on a plane today." And I was like, "I didn't know it would be like today, right now." And um, and I was so like still trying to control everything that I said. I'll come, but if it has anything to do with like God or any of that, like I just need a therapist or like a good psychologist, and and that's what I'll do. And um, they were like, "Oh no, and we have horses and all of this stuff." And I got there, and uh, it was a twelve-step recovery place about God. When I got there, and there were no horses and no pools or anything, and and um so immediately i felt lied to but um it was the first place in my life where like i i was faced with that stuff like i thought that i was a christian like i would even argue with people at parties about jesus like not in the right place to be arguing with them but i i did and i had no reason to it was just like that's that's what i believed um and then people would come in and talk about how they turned their life over to god and i got upset like I was terrified and like did I have I done that? Like I just that's scary. Like what does that mean? Like I remember thinking like I can't do that because I'm gonna have to wear sackcloth and like ring bells and like <laughs> like I just I don't like I thought that it was so terrifying. And and then finally all of these questions that I had my whole life like I didn't even realize I was doing this but I had all these questions that I thought if you asked them it meant that you weren't a Christian. Like you can't let those questions come up because that means you don't believe. And um, for the first time I did, I let all of the questions come up. And it was like, as soon as I did that, I feel like um, the presence of God was there. Like for the first time in, in my life, I feel like God showed up living, like the living God, not just church. Like it was like, I couldn't separate a building from this this powerful thing that was happening in my life. And I remember, like, when I finally answered those questions, I don't even know what they are, probably about sackcloth. I don't know. Like, (laughs) having to wear these. I don't know where these people are, but I thought that for some reason I was going to have to do that. But... um. I answered these questions and, um, I went into the bathroom of the rehab, like all of this stuff is going on. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to do it. Like I'm ready to really give my life to you. And I went into the bathroom and I think I said, um, I'm sorry for pretending like I know, I knew you cause I didn't. And I, and I want to know you. And, um, from that moment, and I know like not everybody has this experience, but for me from that moment, my, it was like a switch of the light. My life changed. Um, I was in a bad relationship. I um, was in Ohio, stuck on going back to Ohio. And I could just hear God telling me through other people, like, the direction I should go in. And I decided I was going to stay here. And I didn't have any money. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a job. um, And my family wasn't supportive because I was telling them that they were trying to brainwash us. And then all of a sudden, I wanted to stay. And um, (laughs) so... I mean, and I was 22 years old, so my mom was pretty scared, but, um, so I, I just had this new faith in God that I was going to be okay, and I left rehab and went to a three-quarter house, and I would take the, I, I took the public bus for two years, um, I walked up and down the street looking for a job until I finally found one, and it was like, God, was showing up in my life like I had I didn't need anybody else's proof because it was finally like uh, the proof of my life and Jesus was the most important thing I mean I wouldn't do it today but I used to work at the landing and I would get off work at 12 o'clock sometimes and I would have to walk around downtown at 12 o'clock at night and I just felt safe like I felt protected um so from from that I mean my life hasn't been the same I've been here for six years i Met my husband, which was another kind of experience where it was like God was kind of telling me for sure, like, this is this is the path that you're supposed to take. Um, But that initial that initial encounter was uh, I didn't know that it was possible. I didn't know that God was I I heard that God was living, but I didn't know that he would humble himself again and come to me like personally and and speak my language. It was like he was speaking my language. Um, So thank you.
3: not an easy act to follow um my name is Casey Preston and um you know I was thinking about what this series is about uh he came he comes and he's coming and I was thinking about my childhood and I and I know for a fact when I was a kid I believed that he came and I believed that he was coming I believed in God. I believed Jesus died on the cross. I knew I was going to heaven. But somehow this idea of he comes did not exist for me. Um, there was no real faith in the present, right? So, so I believe the past, believe the future. But the present, there was no kind of, uh, as far as this longing and, and this seeking of fulfillment, it was always in things outside, right? It was never It was never internal. So things like... Making uh, people laugh became things that would fulfill me, or uh, being liked by people, or um, getting a better Christmas present than my cousin, and so things like that, you know, and um, eventually as I got older, it turned into um, the party scene, right, so that's kind of where I would go for my fulfillment in my teenage and uh, early 20s, and um, you know, it worked for a while, but unfortunately that led me down a pretty dark path where, uh, you know, many uh, lost jobs, um, hurt relationships. Um, I just got to a point where I was just filled with a lot of, as Leanne said, just guilt and shame where I couldn't really even look in the mirror anymore. I was just too ashamed of who I'd become. And I was just really living without purpose or direction or anything like that. And I just felt stuck. And um, I ended up going to rehab and... I remember being in rehab and people would come in and talk to me about God and they were talking to God, talking about God differently than what I was used to, which is not he came and not that he's coming, but he comes. And um, that was really the first time I, I'm sure I'd heard it throughout my life, but this was the first time I was really receiving it. And I could really, ha- I had ears to hear the fact that God was coming to these people in their lives today, that he was doing for them what they couldn't do for themselves, he was providing them hope and uh, freedom and and a way out and 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 peace and just things that I'd always wanted my whole life, but I never thought to go to God for. I was always looking out here, um, and that just really touched me. And, and that night, I remember going to my room and praying for the first time with my heart instead of my head, and just really feeling the presence of God and. I just felt like this wave of peace just washed over me like nothing I had experienced before. Um, and it's just, it's amazing that if you look from the outside looking in, right? So there's there's not many places that um, are less hopeful and hope-filled uh, uh, than rehab. Uh, it's not, you know, the most glitzy and glamorous place in the world. But that's the reality of longing for God and being filled by God is that I get peace regardless of circumstances. Amidst circumstances that are maybe anything but peaceful, I get peace. And that's what God does, and that's what he does when he comes, you know. And um, it was just amazing. I I really felt like I I didn't know what the future held for me, but I know who held the future, you know. And I knew that It didn't matter what happened with an upcoming court case or whether I would go home or go to Jacksonville or where I would stay. But I knew that if I stayed close to God, I would be okay. And um, so that's what I ended up doing. And that was five years ago. And all I've seen since then is just further evidence that um, longing for God and being filled by God gives me more peace than anything I had tried before. And I think there's a couple I was thinking of some differences between um being filled by God and and searching for fulfillment through other things. And two of the biggest things I came up with was the first is that like I'd mentioned, fulfillment through God is independent of everything else outside of us. It's independent of circumstances, it's independent of other people, right? So I don't have to wait for you guys to change in order to be okay. I can be okay because of who God is and what he means to me. Um And the second thing I thought of is uh, the fact that a lot of times in my life, when I would be seeking fulfillment, it would come at the expense of other people, right? So I found that I would make people laugh, but it was usually because I was putting somebody down. Um, I would feel good about winning, but that's because somebody else had to lose. Uh, I would feel good about, you know, getting the the most extravagant presents, but somebody had to pay for that, you know? And especially with my my partying, um, I mean, people came at that expense constantly every single day and the fulfillment I get through God is not about breaking down at all it's only about building up and restoring and that's what I've experienced is all those relationships that were that were affected and damaged in my partying are now fully restored you know so I get to experience things like you know my dad who I was basically estranged from for about eight years uh uh, in my younger days I get to experience that restoration I get to talk to him almost every single morning on my way to work and we get to just share life together and we get to pray together Um, and I get to hear the silence on the other end of the phone for the first time when I ask him to um, be the officiant in uh, Jessica and I's wedding and I get to see him stumbling over his words as he marries us which I've never heard him do he always had it all together Um, and you know I get to hear from my mom who was my best friend throughout my whole life and who unfortunately in my addiction became the person I hurt the most. Um, I get to hear, she gets to come and see me as I pick up my one year sober um, chip and I get to hear her say that uh, she's never been more proud of me (laughs) in that moment than any other time in my life. (laughs) And, um, you know, I get to meet somebody and marry somebody who loves God more than she loves me. Uh, who looks to god as the source and me as the resource which is amazing she knows that i'm not gonna be enough you know um and i get to be a part of a church that you know shows me the hands and feet of jesus more than anything i'd ever experienced um you know and so i wouldn't be and you know try to get that type of fulfillment and joy out of um a bottle or anything else and you can't you know And and it's that and it's that um fulfillment that is based on him coming every single day and because that's what he does. And I'm so glad that um, he really just opened my eyes to the fact that he comes. He comes every day. Thank God. So thanks. Well,
4: my name is Vicki Higby. And um, when I was growing up, there uh, my family didn't go to church much, but my grandmother, she was a, a strong Christian, a Southern Baptist, and uh, I went to church a lot with her when we moved back home. And uh, she was a wonderful lady, and I thank God for that because um, I, I heard about Jesus and um, and I, I was able to, you know, know what the the facts were and to have that introduced to me. Um, and when I was 12, you know, I, I couldn't wait to walk down the aisle and go get baptized. Um, it was a little country church, and we, you know, we'd get baptized in the river. And, you know, I just couldn't wait. And she said, well, when you're 12, you can because that's when you know jesus went to the synagogue you know that was there you know what she told me and i said oh okay and so you know I, I knew that and and i really uh wanted to do that and so i did and you know i really that was uh, amazing and um uh but the the thing is i from there as you know a lot of times happens uh i went on my way in life and kind of pushed that aside. And, you know, while I had these things in my head, it was never in my heart. And I, um, I really had made a mess. I went for years making a real mess out of my life. Um, I, uh, I too was involved in, um, you know addiction and i i had children but that didn't you know that didn't that that didn't stop me you know because the uh the the alcohol really had hold of me and um also um you know other things and so i um i really had a uh at the time i it was probably over a period of 20 years i made a real mess of my life and uh uh, when I was 32, it's it's been over t- 28 years ago now, I went into, um, you know, rehab. I, I knew I had to clean, you know, c- circumstances uh, were so that I was going to lose, you know, everything, whether, you know, my kids, my nursing license, everything. And so I did manage to get sober, and, uh, you know, I acknowledged that it was not me, that it was God, but, you know, um, I things got a lot better. You know, they got a lot better, and uh, it, it was a struggle. I still had a lot of problems because there were a lot of things based on my past that you know I had to take care of, relationships to mend, um, and so I, you know, I, I I started on that journey, and it was it was amazing, um, but there was still. I kept feeling like there was just something missing because, you know, all that knowledge that I had about, uh, Jesus and, you know, uh, God and, and what they could do. I, I was praying to God, but you know, things weren't in my heart because, you know, it, it just was not there. I was still, um, I was saying that I was letting God have control, but, um, it was not the, the God that I know is not Jesus. I was just, you know, saying those words, and of course, things got a lot better, and um, you know, relationships started being restored. But I had this longing. I don't know. It's just like something was really missing, you know, and and I could just feel it. And when I when I finally, what happened was, uh, I was on a retreat, and there was a lady who was uh, a mentor of mine in in the. Uh, recovery program, and she was a um, really ha- wonderful Christian lady as well, kind of reminded me of my grandmother some, and um, in, in a lot of ways, not that she was not that old, but um, we, uh, I went on a retreat with her, and it was at Marywood, and I told her I wanted to talk with her, because um, there were just some things, you know, I I'd went through these, you um, the things that we do in recovery, and so, uh, uh, you know, things have been revealed and uncovered, but there was something in my heart that I just really needed to address, because I wasn't completely sure about Jesus letting me come to him, and the forgiveness, there was just something there, and so we were one night out on a, a swing, and it was it was by the river, and I mean, it was perfect, <laughs> the breeze was blowing, and you know, we were talking, and um, she, you know, reassured me that uh, Jesus was there. He, he wanted to dwell in my heart, and that I feel was the longing that I was having. You know, uh, that thing that was missing, and so you know, we said the prayer, and I, you know, I just had this feeling of relief come over me, and that's been I was that's been many years ago now. But um, what happened for me was, uh, as been shared also before, is that it gave me, you know, it fills this longing, and the more I pour into, you know, doing things, uh, reading God's Word, um, trying to get closer to Him, I feel Him closer. But also, um, I'm just so thankful that it happened because uh, I've had a lot of... um, You know, things happen that I I just don't know if I did not have him in my heart that I couldn't get through. And so I've been able to have um you know joy in the middle of the sorrow because I know. I know things. I'm reassured of things. I'm reassured that of where I will be and that I will meet um I will meet those have gone on, you know, I'm going to see my son again. I'm going to see, I mean, the reassurance that I have in all things, um, no matter what's happening is just, um, it can't be, it's just the greatest thing on earth. You can't buy it. You know, you can't buy it. And, uh, so I'm really thankful for that. And I am thankful that I know that um Jesus is in my heart and where he is and he's in here too and I see him in all of you and um I'm just uh I I too am grateful for for this church and for the people in it and um I, I see him here every day and take him you know keep him here and take him out there with me so that's all thank you
0: Hey, would you, uh, this is, I know some of you are thinking I could never do that, because this is hard. This is a really hard thing to do, not just to get up and speak in front of people, but to, to share such personal encounters. Would you give these friends another round of applause and just let them know you appreciate them? Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks, Jessica. Awesome. Thank you, Casey. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I want you to turn your minds with me back for just a minute, back to when he came. Back to Bethlehem. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but the night that Jesus was born, there were really only a very few people who recognized that God had arrived. Some shepherds, just a few shepherds. Uh, Eventually some astronomers from the Middle East who traveled over. Um, There were just a a few people, a, a young couple. Very few people realized what was going on, that God had arrived. But there were a lot of people A lot more people that knew that a baby had been born. You see, it's one thing to recognize that a baby was born 2,000 years ago as literally hundreds and thousands and millions of babies have been born on earth. It's a very different thing to recognize that in the birth of that child, God took on flesh and came to dwell among us, that God had arrived. Those are two different things. Let Let me read to you one of those people who in that time... Knew that a baby was born, but did not recognize that God had showed up in real time. In Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says this And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. There was an innkeeper who knew that a baby had been born, but totally missed that God showed up. And I just want you to think about that in today's reality, that there's a difference between recognizing someone and making room for them in your heart and in your life. There's a difference between recognizing Jesus and recognizing God, knowing that those things are realities, and saying, no, I want you here. It's one thing to celebrate Christmas in the past. It's another thing to celebrate Christmas in in your heart today. You may recognize Christmas as a time when we reflect on the birth of Jesus of Nazareth 2,000 years ago and still miss the present reality of this that the mystery has been revealed through all the ages. And here it is that Christ can be and is in you the hope of glory. The present reality of Jesus. Jesus says, in Revelation three twenty, behold, I stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. That he stands ready to come. Now, I know that's not how we think about Christmas, but maybe we should think about Christmas that way. Not just as a past event, but as a present reality. So I've got a couple questions for you. What about you? When was your first Christmas? Now, I don't mean trees and deck the halls. I mean, when was your first Christmas? That Christmas that you recognize the reality of God and his offer. Maybe for you it was in July. Maybe for you it was in September or April. I don't know. When was your first real Christmas? And now at this time of year when we celebrate Christmas, when everybody else celebrates Christmas, are you celebrating the anniversary of Jesus' birth? Or are you rejoicing in the fact that you've personally experienced him? See, there's a big difference between that innkeeper 2,000 years ago and Mary. The innkeeper recognized that there was a baby born. Mary welcomed God into her body and life. She surrendered herself to God in the most vulnerable of ways. When she said, Not just, I recognize you, God, but she said, Be born in me. Come dwell inside of me. And I just wonder this Christmas if you would extend the same invitation to the God of the universe
4: to come and be born in you.